Hello, everybody. Welcome to the commentary for Seminar Episode 97. I'm your executive producer and lead director for this episode, Tilly Bridges. And with me today, we have writers Adam Blanford. Hello. Andres Varaga. Vergara, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> okay, hello there. Uh, and we have our uh, assistant directors, Jeff Robinson. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening. And Garen Fitzgerald. Whoa, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. And Adam, you actually did some assistant directing on this as well. Yeah, I did uh, assistant did the directing for this one, right? and the credits, and then I wrote an episode. I just need to do the music, and I think I've got everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you're also the credit announcer. You're the Adam of all trades. One-man yep. band. You do, you do the... Um, uh, what are they called? The, the transcripts. Yeah, I That's do that I too. Think of. Jeez, man. <laughs> you have time yeah, for like your day job. You, just when I think, yeah, I, I actually do work. A, I, I work a full time job, and somehow I get all this stuff done. But <laughs> yeah, there are times when I'm just like, okay, what episode am I on? I just got this, and, and so yeah, there, there's usually a moment of blind panic where I'm like, okay, did I do this? Did I forget this? <laughs> so far, managed to keep it up. All right, well, these rapper scripts are not very long, so I'll just turn it right over to you uh, to talk about uh, your experience mixing these together for this episode. Well, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I was tasked with doing the wrappers, and so I was one of the first people to hear the, the new, new, um, that uh, the, 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 the amalgamation of, of Alice and Alex, and... Uh, so by I, Cena Breyer, welcome to the cast, Cena. Wonderful to have you with us. Yes, yeah, and, and so it was. It was great. I mean, it, it was uh, it was interesting because it was like you know we're saying goodbye to the old character and here's the new character, and uh, you know we're saying goodbye to Zerosh and you know there, there are, so there were a lot of things that I, I tried to do to make sure that the uh, the scene really reflected the fact that we're we're going into the new, and uh, so I was trying to you know create this. You know this uh, ambiance of you know what, do you mean? what are we doing here? You know who is this person? So the the music tried to reflect a little bit of mystery, but also the fact that things have, are no longer quite as horrible as they were last episode. And yeah, uh, you know. So uh, I mean, yeah, as we're getting closer to episode 100, um, there's going to be a big transition. You know, we've been talking about that. Um, Kat's going to wrap up uh, her time on the rappers and Vincent Morrison's going to be taking over. And so the, the show is going to you know, have a slight change of direction there. And so you're going to see a lot of uh, what's been going on wrapping up. And there's a lot of change involved in that. So, yeah. Oh man! Yeah, and so a lot of this was, you know, I, I was exploring different themes, different different kinds of, of music and effects. To try and you know give the mystery and um, you know one thing I tried to do in this scene was um, show that the alert was over. You know I I, I shut off the uh, there was the alert in the background and I was like okay how in the world do I get this thing off? We don't want to listen to that for three minutes. And so that's why I created that that one effect that faded out that you wanted me to kind of kind of be more gradual yeah. with because I was like you know this place has got to have an air conditioner. I mean they gotta they gotta suck the, the ingredients out of here somehow. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a thing you have to be careful with where like even in the scene where you're like if there's an alarm going well If it might still be going on for three five ten minutes the audience can't handle that That's going to be awful to listen to so that's a thing you have to keep in mind when you're putting stuff like this together Yeah, it, it's and you know like like uh, 
like you've always said, is that uh, you know less is more. You want the effects to augment the scene, not to replace it. So it was you know a matter of making sure that everybody were, were is easy to hear and and uh, the effects were just creating a little bit more of a, a tableau than rather than taking center stage. So sure, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure you could. It was very thoughtful. You put a lot of thought into that. I appreciate that. I I try. I do my best. And, you know, I read these scripts when I do transcripts and I read the scripts when I'm doing the, the scenes. And so I really know these these scenes really well, almost by heart. So. All right. Well, here we go. We're getting right into uh, Sleeping Arrangement. This was directed by Garen and written by Andres. So I will turn it over to you, fellas, and let you talk about uh, this wonderful thing that you've collaborated on. All right. <laughs> well, actually, a, a quick question to you, Andres. Um so, I mean, like for me, editing this together was kind of interesting because the interplay between the two counselors, you know, it's like you got the, the young woman who's kind of with the times, the older guy who at first he seems kind of resistant, I felt, to the changes he's dealing with. But at the end, I kind of felt like he came around. I mean, um, did you base these two characters off of anybody you knew in real life or anything? Uh, well, actually, it, it all started with a conversation between, like, my boyfriend and me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's not uh, based particularly on anyone we know, but it's based, like, on people who are like that in society. Mm. And, you know, uh, like, always, like, resilient, resilient to, uh, like, uh, embracing this... Uh, what identities that they're not very familiar with you know and yeah so so yeah so it's sort of like that uh we spoke about how because we we've been uh, us being from the lgbti community there's still certain things that we are uh, learning from other uh you know other identities we are both uh, cisgender men but they're like this uh, whole other like huge spectrum of of people in the community that we are still uh, getting to know, you know. And mm. we just thought about how people who are not even part of the of the community, uh, per se, uh, what what a hard time they they might also have, uh, like uh, understanding uh, what uh, it is to be. It is not to be a cisgender man, you know, or cisgender woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it like uh, so Alex, the character uh, again, it's not based on anyone in particular, but it's just representing like this side of society that still have uh, issues like understanding this side of society. And do you feel and you know like... what? I, Oops, I was actually going to say even that um, he's even actually, even though he doesn't really understand and he only kind of comes around, he's still much more, um, I guess, nice about it than a lot of the people I've run into as a trans woman. So I think, yeah, he's, uh, yeah you know, he's a, he's he's kind of a jerk, but he's not horrible, horrible where you want to punch him in the face. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, because I yeah, felt but... there was a great core for Alex of he really mm -hmm. does care about the kids. He just does not get this. Like, he's trying. He cares. He wants them to be safe and healthy and, and happy. But he's just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, like something uh, by the end uh, when he, well, uh, it's not 
he's not really okay with it. He's just like this mindset of like whatever, like they do them or you know. But uh, it is also like a critique on that because even though there are people like that, and we have to also be like tolerant uh, about people who don't fully understand. I we really don't think it's about you know like whatever like. Uh, those people are with the others like they didn't do themselves is, is about embracing uh, that community and all minorities in the society you know i'm mm. sorry yeah so no, i felt this was the attitude. Uh, oh. sorry no no i'm sorry that was the attitude we wanted to we wanted him to have in the in the end because even though he kind of accepted he, he accepted he doesn't fully like understand it so which is what we have to live with basically yeah, because I felt like this was a really timely topic, given what's just happened in the United States and like the blowback in terms of, you know, Trump mm-hmm. losing the election. But um, uh, what I what I found interesting about it is, like you just said, it's like he doesn't understand it, but he doesn't get in the way of it. Mm-hmm. It's like his, his ultimate goal is to make sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to and nobody gets hurt. Like the way he's yelling at the kids not to climb on the the windmill and stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I think that's a, a really important distinction, and I found it resonating a lot with me the past couple of days with everybody saying like, "Oh, we have to reach out to Trump supporters if, and try to like understand their pain." It's like, well, not if they're trying to erase people, yeah, you know. And so, I, I don't know, this has been bouncing around in my head a lot. I'm, I'm actually really, I appreciate a lot that I got a chance to work on this at this time. Well, let me ask you, uh, too, Garen, before we get past this one, I wanted to uh, comment on specifically on your choice to not score this other than the little bit of uh, intro and outro music that you have. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about why you did that. Oh, well, first, the first consideration before I, I dug too deeply into the conversation was just there's so much going on in the background. Um, mm-hmm. There's the windmill incident. There's the, uh, the the kids roughing up the assistant. There's uh, the horse running by, the motorboat, this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, first of all, practicality, that would just be too much sound. Um but then as I started getting into it, I realized that the conversation between uh, the, the two counselors was just really important. And I didn't want to block it or distract from it because they're having a really intense battle of wills. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't need music. This is not a, a, a big action scene where anyone's just like grunting and yelling and stuff. It's like they're having a conversation. And right. I just didn't want to get in the way of that. Yeah, well, that's it's a perfectly valid uh, directorial choice to make. Sometimes it's better to pull back and not score things when something works so well on its own that it doesn't need it. Because music can, a lot of times, it can really add to, you know, emotional scenes and things like that. But it can also just as easily detract. So knowing when to score and when not to is really important. And I thought that what you did here worked really, really well. So I just wanted, yeah, I wanted you to talk about that a bit because I think it's important people know that so much work and thought goes into what you guys do. And um, so I just want people to understand it because you're all brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and thanks for highlighting that. Yeah, it was it was a big consideration because I chose a lot of music tracks initially. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I pulled down like eight different tracks and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll see if these fit. And then as I was playing with it, I was like, 
Well, I only really need the intro and outro, and everything else just felt super. I mean, yeah, sometimes you have to try it to see what piece will work, and then you're like, maybe nothing, maybe it's better without anything. And it's a lot of trial and error with music, so. Yeah, because like compared to the previous um, script that I directed, um, that was more comedic and action based. And so when I came to this, where it's just the two people talking, I was like, what it really needed was, like, tactile sounds to, sh like, augment. Like, um, Alex is very, like, Brooklyn. You know, he's, like, he's an older guy. And so I'm, I'm, I imagine him talking a lot with his hands. So I got, like, hand smacks in there. And he's, like, roughing up his jacket and, like, being a big macho man. Um, and then Dawn is just sitting there writing in, in the notebook the whole time. So I really wanted to make people realize that she's focused on this. So just having her scratching yeah. away in the notebook, and it was uh, it came together pretty nicely, I thought. Can we go before someone burns down the wisdom oh, the wisdom tree. tree. <laughs> <laughs> like the yeah. the two uh, intro and outro pieces that you chose too. Though they're very, they feel very like outdoorsy. Yeah, the guitar. <laughs> yeah. And it also had kind of that 80s sitcom feel. Where like... I'm <laughs> new. So I liked it. All right, so we're back. We're now into the middle uh, rapper segment. Uh, how did this go for you, Adam? How was, like, having the three different ones? Were they uh, all comparable? Did one give you more trouble than the other? You know, I, I think that it was it was this one that provided the most challenge in terms of mixing because um, now you've got three characters and you've got Zirosh and um, mm -hmm. you know, Zirosh is supposed to be failing and and so I, I was trying to figure out how to to voice you know pitch change his the, Aiden's voice so that it sure. sounded like Zirosh but also sound like he's you know about to about to go into that good night for for computers and. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, like originally when I chose the music, I was really trying to go for something that was somber and, and kind of funereal. And uh, or, originally the, the two pieces that I have were flipped. When they first walk in, the, the second piece was going to lead into Finding Zirash. But then I realized that, the, that there was a little bit more tension in uh, the piece that, that uh, accompanies it right now. And then the second musical piece actually gives it a little bit more urgency because he's like, you know, I'm going to fail in about six hours. Uh, and so that, that kind of gave it a little bit of a clock. And so trying to mix the, the music like with the, the pacing of the Thank you both. of the uh, character dialogue and, and uh, this, this character who's basically dying, which really made me sad. I like Zirash. Um, though no one could agree on how, how his name was pronounced, I don't think. Uh, he's like <laughs> the, the Han or Han Solo from Star Wars. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, he's, he's lovable and you, you don't want to see him go. But, you know, you know all, things, all good things come to an end. He was polite enough to not ever correct anyone either. Ah. Exactly. He, <laughs> you know, he just he let it go. Said, you know what? I'm shutting off life support. This is just complete bull. I'm tired of this. <laughs> but just quick question. Did he shoot first? Zirosh? Mm. Yeah. Always. Request accepted. New biomarkers logged. Retrieving requested file. Casting call of doom. Right, so uh, okay. that takes us right into Adam's short that he wrote, and this was directed by Jeff. So I will turn it over to you, fellas. So this All one right. was uh, particularly fun to direct, and uh, Adam, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing kind of the inspiration for this one because you know all of us here have 
had experience, you know, auditioning for various productions uh, of, of, of varying professionalism, shall we say, um, yep. <laughs> you know, auditioning for shows and sending in your lines and it never gets made. I've had at least half a dozen things that I've, I've done and, oh. and uh, oh. you know, the director just ghosts you and, and you know, you've got to yeah. you've got to be careful to actually you know say when you send in your lines hey is this is this thing actually gonna get made and obviously with pendant that's uh that's never in in question uh you know, <laughs> uh, more than 10 years of experience and uh, one of the greatest greatest places around but uh adam I've, I've uh adam i'd love to hear kind of your experience that sort of inspired this and uh what uh what what led you to write the script well you know i when i you know, I, when I started voice acting, I had those experiences immediately. Um, the very first thing I ever auditioned for, um, I I actually nailed the lead part. I was the the male lead in the in the series, and then I got in, and I, I didn't know enough to really ask any questions. And so I got in, and there was like, and the the creator said, "Oh, I'm I'm working on the script." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's, that's not a bad thing." <laughs> but then, of course, I'm having problems. I'm not able to get this done. I'm not able to get this done. And Uh pretty soon, a year later, you know, you're kind of like, okay, well, maybe this project wasn't going to, you know, wasn't meant to be. And uh, so, you know, I had that experience. And, you know, being on on voice acting Twitter is always an adventure in and of itself. Because you hear all these stories like, oh, my God, this person said that they were going to work for free. And I I lost a paying job because of it. And then everybody's sitting there going, oh, my God, that's so horrible. You know, we feel so bad for you. And then it happens to them the next day, or then they offer to do the work for free, and, and you know, and, and somebody else gets gets screwed over. But I just I kept hearing all these weird things from people, or like you know, like somebody accused me of not being of, of this race or ethnicity, um, or changing my name so I sounded more exotic. I'm like, really? Uh, that that's that's a weird accusation to make, and uh, so I kept I kept hearing these really strange things, and. One day I'd, I'd had a really bad day and I was just sitting down and I had this, this really crazy idea of, you know, what about, what if you had a, a satire of all of these different things that voice actors experience? <laughs> and so I sat down and I started writing and I'm like, okay. And, and uh, Tilly can corroborate this is originally when I wrote this, um, I satirized the wrong group. Um, I actually made fun of the people who do things like seminar and, and uh, like people who work for, who just do it because they love to do voice acting. They love to do um, just, just be able to, to, you know, make pretend and create these things. It wasn't, you know, out of, out of malice or anything. I just, I, I misdirected the satire. And uh, so Tilly, you know, brought me back and said, you know, maybe we should tweak this a little bit because obviously you're, you're making fun of the wrong people. So um, I, I changed it around. And so, so um, I was sitting there like, okay, what other crazy stuff can I put in that, that would, that would address uh, some of the problems. So the whole thing about uh, say something you think would fit with the, uh, with the robot, <laughs> that was something uh, like everybody experiences this. You go on casting call club, you always find this. And even though they say that it's been removed, it's still there. So <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, you know, what, what if he had this guy audition is like, you know, and, and we'll just build it up and build it up and build it up. And then just completely just crap on it by saying, Hey, say something you think would fit. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I loved how you mixed it. You did it exactly as I as I as I envisioned it because it just builds up that tension, and then it, you know it's done, and right. he's completely blown. Record scratch. <laughs> yep, exactly the re- the record scratch, and then uh, you know the 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 voice actor who who did Doctor Melancholy, you know, nailed it. Um, 
I just I, I love I loved how you cut this because it just it really matched what I what I had in my head. Well, let me say uh, really quick that one thing that you didn't include that happens all the time, but it happens from a production perspective for the, us folks on the other side is that two of the voice actors we cast in this short posted us and never said yeah. their lines in. <laughs> so we had emergency recastings done, which I, it. Uh, that's always annoying, but it killed me that it happened with this short of all the shorts. So, uh, I want to send out a very special thank you to Danny Spiller and uh, Rukshin Shaher, who came in at the very last minute and did emergency line turnarounds for us to get this so we could get this done on time. And so they were they were our heroes who saved us this episode. Nice. Uh, it, it was it was brilliant, and I think that's happened with everything every short that I've written. The um, the first time I wrote one, the guy who played um, the, there was this really sleazy con artist in my first short, and uh, and he disappeared. So VC Morrison stepped in, and I think that happened again with with the the second one I wrote. So this is just a tradition. It's fine. It means it's gonna right. be it's gonna be great. One thing that uh, <laughs> most people listening uh, about this uh, this short that people can relate to is, you know, 90% of it takes a place over like a VoIP call, basically a Zoom call. <laughs> he, yeah, exactly. As he talks to the various actors he's looking to cast. Um, and then he goes out to meet XJ32. I don't know if you could tell, but uh, he's, yeah, Dr. M is kind of speaking through a megaphone in that scene. You can kind of envision him like staring up at this 200 foot yep. tall robot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and he, I wanted to ask you uh this was the first short i think you've directed that's like comedic and so how different was that for you than the other shorts because in comedy timing is so much more important than in the other shorts yes i, I felt that i i wanted to keep the the line pacing pretty um rapid make it pretty snappy um overall and uh you know kind of adding in the the right sort of reaction sound effects at the right time was really important like for example when dr m is getting agitated you hear him sort of uh squeak around in his chair a little bit um, <laughs> those, those kinds of subtle things uh, i felt were were really important um and then a, a lot of scenes uh take place you know in his cave and it transitions from you know, one scene in this cave to another scene in the cave, but later. So I kind of added this sort of whoosh sound effect to signify mm -hmm. that passage of time. Um, so, so I kind of uh, put some thought into how I would how I would uh, express that. I liked the whooshes. I, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, I, it was perfect. I mean, that, that's the thing is that this this almost exactly matches what's what what I what I envisioned when I wrote the script. And which is you know, not easy because I, I realize I have a tendency of creating um, these one shot characters. And, you know, then so suddenly you have lines from eight people and each of them have one line. And you have to figure out how to sync them all in. And that, that's just that's me. But I, I, I really liked how you how you rolled with it. Um, the only one I was really sad about not being able to include, I had to edit him out, was was Dr. Melancholy's henchman because he was. He, he was a total smart ass and I just I loved him because <laughs> my favorite line for him was he, he, uh, got, he gets disciplined by Dr. Melancholy and he's like, I, I don't know which hurts worse. The thousand cuts of your indifference or being shot by your finger gun. And I, I loved that line. I was so proud of that line, but I just couldn't figure out how to work him in. And I thought, I don't want to burden anybody else with another, another voice line to, 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 to cast. So. The good thing is that you save those characters and those good lines, and you just keep a file and you put keep them all in there, and you use them somewhere else sometime. And so nothing is ever yep. wasted with that. When if you cut it, you just save it, and you'll find a place for it someday. Eventually, yes. 
I wanted to, to note some irony here. You just heard my brief cameo as Tim begging to, to be able to audition despite <laughs> meeting the deadline. And I indeed, I indeed uh, auditioning for Pendant uh, several years ago was once that guy, you know, saying, hey, I know the deadline was last night, but can I please audition for the Kingery? Please, please, Tilly, let me in. Let me in. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, the, the greatest thing is that, that you get these people. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to cast this person. Hey, we've cast this person in this line. And they're like, hey, can I still audition for that line? I, I'm so much better than that person. Uh, and uh, like, really? Oh, that, never be that person. Never. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Voice acting tip, you know, number 395. <laughs> Do not <laughs> think you're better than everyone else. That's the kiss yeah. of death. Yeah. Even if you are, don't go around telling people that they should have cast you because you're better than others. That's just nobody wants to work with that person. Exactly. Well, yeah, and so like I think casting Call of Doom 2.0 would would have the the people sniping and saying, you know, oh, man, I really wish I'd been uh, congratulations, but I wish I'd been cast. Or oh no, I guess I didn't get cast in this. This is just terrible. You know, and so I got their ideas best friends. <laughs> Try not to sympathize with the villain of a story. I'm gonna hold you to that now, though. You said 2.0, so I'm gonna be expecting the second, the second one, casting Call of Doom 2.0. I'm gonna be waiting, so you better get started. All right, all right. So now we're in the last wrapper, and um, yeah, with this one again, the the, like for me, the music was the core element because it was like I needed, I need that sense of new has made the decision. And this one was the easiest one to mix together because it's just a very quick back and forth. But the music is really like like telling them, okay, news made the decision. They're going back to the arc. It's time to go. And uh, so I, I threw in a couple of extra little things. Like at the very end, it's like, can you power up the shuttle bay? I thought, yeah, hey, let's throw in a shuttle bay powering up effect and, and see if anybody notices. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, it, it was just, it was great to be able to, to, to play with it and give it a little bit more texture um, and, and really try and flesh out the, um, the, uh, the, the scene. And it's really weird hearing me talk now. Okay. It's weird hearing you talk over yourself talking. <laughs> right? I don't <laughs> know if we've if ever I had that just before. Shut that up really for one minute, you know? Written by Andres Vergara in Casting Call of Doom. Well, so then that brings us here to the credits. Um, any of you have any final thoughts of anything you'd like to share? Uh, honestly, like I, I kind of like editing for um, sleeping arrangement. I kind of at, at moments resonated a little bit with Alex in terms of like where I was maybe 10, 15 years ago, starting to read about all the new gender classifications and things. That, well, not, I shouldn't say new, but the, the new understanding people were having of gender classification, if, if you want to call it that. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad that I have been able to grow. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I just had a blast, you know, doing it my first turnaround for for doing the the assistant directing and um you know just continuing with being able to do the voice voicing of the credits and you know i'm i'm starting to get comfortable with that role and um i just had a lot of fun with this episode well that's great i hope you all did i did i thought it came out great you all did a wonderful job in every aspect you're gonna make me blush don't do that (laughs) (laughs) gonna make my head get all too big I'm sorry. For, I was gonna say for, for me, it was the first time writing for a podcast, so it was like a, a really new experience. Like uh, just thinking about uh, like 
well, like everything is going on in the scene, but just from a uh, sound perspective, which is an right. interesting experience that I, uh, I did uh, struggle a little bit because I had to, to censor uh, a couple of uh, uh, draft of the scripts because I was being too visual still. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it it takes time to get used to it. It's a different absolutely. way of thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was a great experience. I hope to have another opportunity in the future. So oh, that would be great. Guys. Please submit more anytime. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm going to hold you to it too, both of you. Go go write more scripts right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what, we're not going to be the next Caitlin Kleiman. I mean, no one can match her speed. <laughs> <laughs> right? She's nuts. But all I right. Mean, like, well, ne- isn't the next episode like the Caitlin Kleiman? Or which episode are we on? I'm so confused. But one of these is like another Caitlin Kleiman Presents episode. Yeah, I think so. She's had one before that was all hers. And I think the next one is too, uh, or at least she's got one. I don't remember because I'm so far ahead of them all too. So I don't know. But whatever. In any case, we're going on a little too long. So I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you all, all right. for working right, on you. this show, for all of your great work and for being here and for joining us with this commentary. You're all wonderful. And thank you to everybody for listening. And we will be back here with uh, Seminar Episode 98 in two months. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening.